It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, Aftermath, for Episodes 15 and 15-2, The Green City of Emerald, and The Guardian of the Gates. This week's chapters finally bring us to the Emerald City. They are also a bit of a mishmash. <laughs> this is a point in which... Dark Days and Wonderful Wizard of Oz are just a hair out of sync with each other. For example, the Dark Days chapter, The Green City of Emerald, shares a plot with the Wizard of Oz chapter, The Guardian of the Gate. It also shares part of next week's Wizard of Oz installment, The Wonderful City of Oz. This week's Wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter, in turn, is part of last week's Dark Days chapter, The Warm Welcome, and part of this week's chapter, The Green City of Emerald. So, yeah, it's a little tangled. So if I miss any observations in my compare and contrast here, I apologize. And if you have any observations yourself that you feel I missed or neglected, go ahead and let me know, and I'll read and address those in the next Aftermath episode. Also, if you would like to get in touch with me, I'm not entirely sure why you would, but if you do, I actually do have a Dark Days email address along with a Dark Days Twitter account. The email is darkdaysofdorothygale at outlook.com and the Twitter handle is at darkdorothyg. I don't know why I haven't mentioned those until now. I've had them for a long time. I guess that's just the bad podcaster in me. I'll start throwing those in the show notes from here on out as well. So yeah, anyway, this week, kinda tangled. I know, but we're gonna give this a shot anyways. In Dark Days this week, we find Dorothy finally at the gates to the green city of Emerald. This is a moment, actually it might even be the first time, that we really see Dorothy standing up for herself. She reaches the city and is basically told to go away because the wizard is far too important and busy to concern himself with outsiders. Or women. Or non-munchkins. Or maybe non Yeah, You get the idea. The wizard seems like kind of a jerk. Dorothy yelling and scolding this guardian into letting them in is a pretty big step for her. Up until now, she's kind of been a pushover. Just doing as she's been told, go here, do this, go there, do that, and really just tolerating every bad thing that's happened to her. This is the point when she seemingly decides that she's had enough of being the victim of this world. Whether she continues to be a bold hero or victim it remains to be seen, but it's an important point no less. We also meet the guardian of the gate here the ugly munchkin. 
those who know me well, and soon to be you, my dear listener, listeners, listeners? Well, I know there's at least four of you out there. Anyways, you know that I'm a pretty big fan of Danny DeVito. I even mentioned his role in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia back in an earlier Aftermath episode, when I was talking about the munchkins Fink and Frank from the beginning of the book. Honestly, I think almost everything would be better with Danny DeVito in it. No, not almost everything. Everything. And I don't say this as an insult to the entertainment icon, but he's who I picture when I picture the ugly munchkin. Like DeVito in a strange Joker-esque makeup. His voice is gruff and garbled, and it's hard to make out what he's saying at times. He's unapologetic, and even tells Dorothy that if she's going to stand in front of him, her breasts at eye level, she should at least be courteous enough to wear something a bit more revealing. He is very much a distorted version of the Guardian found in the wonderful Wizard of Oz. He pretty much gives them the same information, however, just in a grimier way. We see the entrance as a large ivory-white room with a normal, human-sized door. A red door. The red door is literally just a reference to one of my all-time favorite shows, The IT Crowd. What's behind that red door? Nothing. Nothing. Well, there must be something behind it. There's nothing behind the red door, Jen. The color has no significance beyond that reference. And if you've never watched The IT Crowd, I'm not sure we can be friends anymore. Seriously, as soon as this is over, go watch at least one episode. And if you don't like it, well, I might still be begrudgingly your friend. But I digress. Once in the city itself, we see a green world. The idea that there is only one road, and it just slowly spirals to the center of the city where the wizard is holed up in a giant spire, is one of my favorite ideas. I imagine the alleyways that break off the path as being spindly dark crevices within the city. Like, if you saw an aerial image of Emerald on Google Maps, it would look like a spider web with one bold path to the center, where the spider is just waiting for its prey to land. We meet the soldier waiting at the spire with his totalitarian-style uniform and his clipped way of speaking. Uh, when I originally wrote this, I had other ideas for how the wizard might rule the Land of Oz, a dictator ruling with an iron fist in a dystopian society. The uniform is an artifact of that original idea. As I continued writing, I ultimately decided against going down that path. But the uniform stuck, even after multiple drafts and revisions. Next week's Wizard of Oz chapter will have some similarities with the second part of this one. We see the inside of the spire. Dorothy is granted a beautiful room with plenty of food, a warm bath, and some, uh, reading material. 
I will tell you right now, though, the uh, reading material is not one of the similarities to the wonderful version of the story. And I would be concerned if it was. And I would assuredly not be a fan of that story. Because remember, children's book, not to mention Baum's version of Dorothy, is a child. It ends hopeful and happy enough, however, with Dorothy getting some much-needed rest and for once feeling safe and secure in this strange land that she finds herself in. Chapter 10, The Guardian of the Gate, is part of the warm welcome from last week, virtually none of the cold farewell, and a little bit of the green city of Emerald. Before I go on, I want to apologize. In a previous Aftermath episode, I got ahead of myself and talked about the lion's observation, that he was taken down by flowers and saved by mice. I'll go ahead and paste that audio right here after the beep. Oh god, I'm being told I don't actually have a beep sound to play. Jeez, what kind of show am I running here? Fine, I'll just... I'll just say it, okay? I'll I'll say it. I'll say it, okay? Here we go. B. I like the lion's observation that such a great beast can be taken down by something as seemingly harmless as a flower, and saved by such a small creature as a mouse. To be fair, though, it was an entire field of poison and a literal legion of mice. Look, I'm not saying size matters. But his logic that a massive beast such as himself was taken down and saved by something as small as a flower and a mouse, while a wonderful message, it is somewhat flawed in this context. Beep. Okay, so my point still stands. Fine sentiment, not entirely accurate in my opinion. Moving on, we find Dorothy and company in a munchkin village and taken in by a nice munchkin family here. It's an odd detail that there is a wife slash mother, two kids, and a man injured and resigned to the couch. I don't know about anyone else, but I want that story. I want to know why this guy is injured and stuck on the couch. It couldn't just be a munchkin family. One of them had to be injured and stuck on the couch? Okay, Frankie. Okay. I gave him a bit of a pirate accent. I don't know why, so don't ask. It just seemed somehow appropriate to me to give him this funny accent. Also, he's kind of a wishy-washy goofball, isn't he? He goes from, What makes you think Oz will even see you? To... Aye, Oz will probably see you, and grant you whatever wishes you want. Also, he says he's never seen the wizard, but he sure has some pretty intimate knowledge of the wizard's keep. He has more brains than he knows what to do with. Sure, that's a decent enough observation. It's almost just saying he's too smart for his own good. And then he says the wizard has a collection of hearts, which is really actually kind of terrifying when you get right down to it. I mean, who just goes around collecting hearts? 
what kind of wizard is this? And should we really be looking into meeting him? Anyways, he goes on to say that he also has a large pot of courage, brewing and covered with a gold plate, so that none of it spills out. It sure seems like he knows more than he's letting on. And I know that sounds ominous, but it's really not. Anyways, once we get into the city itself, we meet the wonderful version of the Guardian, and we find he is much more pleasant than my own, as are many characters in the Bomb-verse. It might not be exactly how Bomb envisioned, but I decided to read the chapter with a nasally, somewhat annoyed accent. A uh, not-great impression of David Mitchell, if you will. I feel like I reference a lot of things that might not be super popular or well-known outside of my own head. I would apologize for that if I were truly sorry, but, well, you know. David Mitchell is a British actor-comedian known for being nasally and whiny with a sharp, pointed sense of humor. He complains a lot, but, you know, in a funny way. After you're done watching that episode of The IT Crowd, go ahead and head over to YouTube and look up David Mitchell's Soapbox. Each episode is, like, super short, just a few minutes, and will be a very clear example of my voice inspiration here. This guy seems a little full of himself to me. Like, he has power, and he's going to lord it over these travelers. He has the key. He is the guardian. He will take them to see Oz. Also, who does this guy actually answer to? These strangers show up and he's compelled to do whatever they say? It seems to me that if the wizard don't want company, the wizard don't get company. This chapter ends pretty much right here, as the travelers are taken into the city so there's really not much more to say about it. Come back next week for three more chapters. That's two Dark Days of Dorothy Gale chapters, The Great and Terrible, Part 1 and 2, and one Wizard of Oz chapter, The Wonderful City of Oz, and of course, an aftermath. Before I let you go, I have to say this. I am so excited for the next Wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter. I will probably repeat this in next week's Aftermath, but personally, I think the next chapter is the true essence of what Baum envisioned. It is everything the world he created was meant to be, and is truly the epitome of his work. It's full of wonder and magic and mystery and intrigue, and it's a bigger moment than any other in the book. It has all kinds of fun characters, a slew of interesting voices, and I had a blast reading and recording it. If there is any part of this book you should experience, it is next week's wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter. Sure, listen to the usual Dark Days stuff. That's all well and good. But if you usually skip the Wizard of Oz portion of this show, I implore you, please do not skip next week's. 
It is the reason I love the Frank Baum classic. So, with that said, thanks for listening. I love you all.